Today we are going to talk about and pray about the issue of bouncing prayers. Yes, we have all gone through it when you pray and it doesn't seem like God is hearing you. Now most of us know and remember a time when it seemed like God just put us in a room and locked the door and threw the key away. We keep banging on the door and crying, help, help. But you know, there seems to be no answer. Now to many people, Life seems to be nothing but tears and worries, and to some it's just suffering, poverty, sickness. And in those situations, we keep asking God, where are you? We, desperate, we are desperate. The issue is dire. We need you. Where are you? You may look around, and the people who seem to be making it are the kind, you know, who don't even seem to acknowledge God. Well, you may be one of those people who say, I'm not a bad person. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't steal or do anything that's an antisocial. You may think I'm just a regular person suffering through the economic times or whatever it may be. On the other hand, it may not be you personally going through the situation. It may be someone you care for, someone you love, a friend, a, a child or somebody. And, you know, they may be going through so much and you have prayed with them, stood with them, but it looks like God does not hear your prayers. Now, Daniel went through something like that, too, and um, he was worried and, you know, about his people in uh, Jerusalem, in Israel, and he asked God, you know, how long is it going to be? He even said in Daniel 8, 27, that he was desperate, that he was depressed and ill for several days. Nehemiah went through the same thing, too. And he also said something very similar. He said that I sat down and wept for several days. I moaned and I did not eat. We may have different problems or concerns or whatever it may be. But to that person going through it at that time, you know, it's, it hurts. It's painful. It may be a business. It may be something, you know, sickness. It may be a, a relationship you're in with a spouse, a relationship with a child or a friend. And it may just be going downhill. And you have prayed to the Lord, you have talked to him, and nothing seems to be happening. It may even be in ministry. You may be working for God and uh, uh, caring for his people, and everything just seems to be falling apart. Money is not coming your way. Uh, you, are, you are running broke all the time, and you have prayed. And so the last thing you want to hear is someone to tell you, well, let's pray about it. Sometimes we use that as a, um, a cop-out. But my friend, you are not alone. Whatever it is that is taking place in your life has happened to others in the Bible and also in our lives today. Now, we don't always have to go through the same thing or we don't have to go through something to, in order to help people. But clearly, if you've gone through something and the Lord has delivered you, you are more likely to um, help somebody else. Now, instead of giving up, I admonish you, sit back and examine your prayer approach. Maybe... The reason your prayers are bouncing is your approach to prayer. Now, let us not forget the circumstances around you. But today, let us not think about those circumstances. Instead, let us look and examine the circumstances around the prayer itself. I have come up with uh, nine items that we can look at that I think can be very helpful in knowing why your prayers are bouncing and how to deal with it. I'll read them out to you and you can write them down and then later on keep referring to them as I expound on them. Number one, you have to know that God is sovereign. Number two, you must know that it's Satan and not God who is opposing you. Number three, you must humble yourself before the Lord. Number four, examine your motives for prayer. Number five, you may need to involve others 
in your prayer. Number six, you may need to pray for others, not against them. Number seven, you must recognize the Holy Spirit. Number eight, be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Number nine, slow down and wait on the Lord. So now you may say, I've done all those things, but you know, let us look at them a little deeper than normal so that we may see how they can help us. When I say that you must know the sovereignty of God, you must know that despite what may be taking place, God is not caught by surprise by any of the situations or issues that are going on. He precisely placed you in and at this time because he knew that as long as you stay connected with him, you will overcome. He has the same confidence in you as a child of God, as a Christian, as he had in Job when he declared to Satan that, Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him. Behold, all he has is in your power. Only do not lay hands on his person. When we look at this scripture, we realize that God has separated us, even as he separated Job. We are separate. We are different than the rest of the world. But also, he has commanded that the devil will not touch our person. He may touch our possessions. And when you look around, many times it's our possessions that the devil is messing with. What is your person? I'm not talking about your body. I'm talking about the you, the real you, the inner person, the one who believes, the one who carries the faith, the person that the devil cannot even deal with, your spirit, that person, your convictions, he cannot touch because God will not allow him. Satan may temporarily have power over our possessions, but he cannot lay hands on our person. That is the domain of God, and the protection is under God. Know that God's protective powers and his enabling power is also in you. Remember when Paul prayed in Ephesians, I believe chapter 1, verse 17 through 19, he prayed to the Lord and he said, Lord, open the eyes of their understanding that they may see and understand and that they may get the wisdom and the revelation for the exceeding power, the exceeding greatness of God's power that is directed to us word who believe. See, this is not just for the Ephesians because he finally said to us word who believe. There is power that's directed at you as a believer. This power is not against you. This power is to be used of you by the Lord. Number two. We talked about um, know that it's Satan that you're fighting against. It's Satan who is opposing you, not God. See, know that God is for you. God has heard your prayers and he has set events in motion you know, for the answers to your prayers. However, there is demonic opposition to this uh, motion that God has put in place for you. This motion is here on earth. In the things and the events that are happening, your answer is right here. But you know, the devil will resist this in the spiritual realm. He will resist it in the natural realm. Daniel had a similar situation. He had prayed to the Lord and he was wondering what's going on. And the Lord sent an angel, Gabriel, to him. You know, in Daniel chapter 10, 12 and 13, to tell him that, you know, he was with him. So this is Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding, to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. The Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. 
Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Do not be afraid, O man, highly esteemed, he said. Peace, be strong now, be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Speak, my lord, since you have given me strength. And verse 20 says, So he said, Do you know why I have come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia, and when I go, the prince of Greece will come. So there is going to be resistance. Here Daniel is being warned and being encouraged by the angel that you know there is uh, going to be resistance even as there has been resistance already. But I will fight and if need be God is going to send you extra help. He is going to send his angels extra help so that you get your answer. Here the angel Gabriel explains that there were territorial spirits that are in opposition to our prayer. But he tells Daniel to be strong. The same goes for you, my friend. Be strong, for this message is for you. God will dispatch the angels that will do the job. As it is said, stay put. Stay put. Don't you worry. Now, point number three, I said, humble yourself before the Lord. First and foremost, you must surround your prayers with a spirit of humility or humbleness. When you approach God who is so powerful and mighty as he is, you have to forget your earthly possessions or achievements or whoever you are or whatever your titles are. When King Solomon prayed uh, in the book of uh, in Second Chronicles, and I will read that to you, uh, he lifted his hands up in the air and knelt down where all his people could see him. In the presence of God, he left all his earthly titles and honors and knelt before a mighty God. Now, I'll read this to you. It's in Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 12, 13. And it says in verse 12, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. And now he had made, now he had made a bronze platform, five cubits long five cubits wide and three cubits high and had placed it in the center of the outer court. He stood on the platform and knelt down before the whole assembly of Israel and spread out his hands towards heaven. Now, uh, chapters, in chapter 7, verse 1, it says, When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering, sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Now, this is how we should be approaching God. If you are with your family and you are really hurting, don't worry about your children or your wife or whoever is looking or brother or sister or whoever. Uh, do not think about the people around you. It could be in church and you are a pastor or you are a minister. Whatever it is, whatever title you are, if you are desperate before God, kneel before him, come before him in humility. Some people may say, well, you don't have to kneel. But you know what? Your spirit deep inside will tell you when to kneel. It will tell you that pride is keeping you up. So you will know when to go prostrate before a mighty God. But I'll tell you one thing. You cannot come in the presence of a mighty God and stay up on your feet. Just think of the authority and the power that Solomon had. People knelt and bowed before him. But now he is showing them that God is above all human honors, titles, and problems. He was not just showing off his spirituality like you know some people may think. He was getting, setting an example for the others. He was setting an example for his people to follow. After humbling yourself, 
the Holy Spirit fire will come down and burn whatever situation you have, whatever problem it will be. Now, it could be a physical fire, but it could be a different kind of fire. It will be burnt up in prayer. You know, it will be the sacrifice of prayer that will be burnt up unto the Lord. You must humble yourself. And now, humbling yourself does not mean beating up on yourself and blaming yourself for everlasting, you know, for everything that you, you did in the past. That is unnecessary because God knows you anyway. So, humbling yourself simply means uh, respecting God above all else. Jesus recommends the attitude of a little child. In Matthew 18, verse 2 and 4, it says, He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know, King Solomon humbled himself as a child. Then he was great, and the Lord showed himself great before him. He showed the helplessness of a little child in God's, and in God's sight we all are. So remember, humble yourself. That's not a small issue, but to some people it may be. We may think that our rights as uh, citizens of this nation or the other are more important than being humble before God. Pride. Pride should never be in the presence of God. Now, point number four was to um, examine your motives. You know, many times we may wonder, what is my motives? I'm honest, I'm this or the other. But, you know, be honest with yourself. What is the motive of your prayer request? Our prayer request must never be for selfish reasons. We must always uh, check our motives. That is so important, you know, because the Bible says that God cannot be mocked. Are you asking for money so that you can um, uh, you can be seen as successful in relationship to others? You know, uh, this leads to pride, and pride is a sin. Are you asking for healing so you can get well and continue with your sinful ways? The motive is wrong. Yes, you want to be well, but your motive is to do what you used to do before. Are you asking for better grades in school? I mean, yeah, even students can ask for better grades. For what? What's the purpose? Are you to fulfill the purpose that God called you for? Are you asking for marriage so you may you may be a good husband? Or is it, are you asking for marriage so you may have the pretty or the handsome uh, guy? Uh, so we must examine our motives. Before asking God for anything, it is wise to examine our motives that, you know, we may uh, stay within his will. The book of James talks about our inner desires basically battling with our um, motives. And um, we have to make sure that we purge ourselves of such desires that are selfish. James uh, chapter 4 verse 1 through 3 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but you don't get it. You kill and covet but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. And that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. See right there, uh, James clearly talks about our motives and how they affect what we, uh, the answers to our prayers. So examine your motives when you pray. What are they? Are they for the glory of the Lord or are they just uh, to shower things upon yourself? Now, the uh, fifth point that I raised was that you may need to involve other people or others uh, with your prayers. 
and there may be various reasons why you need others. Some situations need the involvement of other people so that you may agree as a group of believers. It may be just one other person or it may be a whole family or fellowship. However, we must all be in agreement. When King Jehoshaphat uh, was going to face an attacking army, he involved the whole nation of Judah. This is found in Second Chronicles chapter 20, and I'll read it uh, for you. Uh, in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20, verse 2, it says, Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a, verse, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It is already in Hazazan Tamar, that is Engedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then the Spirit of the Lord, this is verse 14 now, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jehoshaphat, Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and a descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. So as you see here, King Jehoshaphat saw it necessary to involve the whole assembly of the children of Judah in order to pray against this army, this great army that was coming before them. Now, in the New Testament, we see something similar to that. When the believers in the book of Acts faced enormous opposition, they came together as a group. And I'm going to read you the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 23 through 24, and then verse 30 through 32. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Stretch out your hand, stretch out your hand to heal and to perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of the holy of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and in mind. So you see here, they involved each other, they were all one in one accord, and the Spirit of the Lord moved. There are many other instances of this coming together as a body in the, in the Bible. Now, in, in Matthew 18, verse 19, Jesus said a kind of minimum when he said that, Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. So, you know, look for someone to agree with if the situation calls for it. The Spirit of the Lord will come and cover, you know, your situation after you pray. And that is a guarantee. Now, sometimes it may not come the, the way or the time that we, uh, we think, but definitely God will fulfill his word. The Lord gave us the power of agreement as a physical confirmation of the spiritual truth that we, you know, that we are never alone. Look at your situation and see if your prayer circumstances require the involvement of others and use it. Because, you know, like you said, where two or three of you are gathered together in my name, you know, there he is with us. And guess what? Where Jesus is, there is power. There are results. There are solutions. So do not neglect. Do not neglect this point number five of involving other people, especially if your spouses and you're married. You know, you need to involve each other. You need to involve your children. You need to involve your prayer partners. Hey, 
Sometimes you may need to involve your church. Now, the other point I raise that uh, pray for others, not against them. You know, many times we pray, especially when something has happened between two different people or groups. Sometimes we pray and we are asking, you know, for the Lord to get back at the other people. Some situations involve conflict you know, between personalities. One of the biggest poisons to prayer is the uh, spirit of unforgiveness. Even if someone was saying 99% wrong and you were only just 1% wrong in the situation, forgive them and pray for them. You know, first asking God to show his grace to both of you in this situation. That will help. I know it feels good in the flesh to pray, Lord, go get them. Uh, give it to them just as they deserve. You know, David in the book of Psalms prayed a lot like that. But you know, we are living in the, uh, uh, in the period of grace. As long as we are praying in uh, the name of Jesus, let us apply the grace to both of us. In fact, um, one of Jesus' examples for, uh, involving forgiveness involves someone who persistently required forgiveness uh, from uh, someone else. It came as an answer to a question uh, uh, from uh, Peter. And it says this, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. See, Peter was trying to uh, put a limit, you know, a close limit, something that he can do naturally. You know, seven times, 70 times is much bigger number. So God made sure that he extended it to a point where you either forgive or you just keep counting the number of times. So, uh, you know, that's in Matthew 18, 21 and 22. And again, in Mark uh, 11, 25, Jesus tells us to forgive others before we pray. So do not hinder your prayers. You know, unforgiveness is one of the biggest cancers against uh, answered prayer. You know, after you pray for others, almost it's like God starts to bless you. And uh, he gave us an example in the book of Job when Job was blessed. See, many times we look at the book of Job and we look at all the suffering and all this, but we forget that he was blessed for a longer period of time than the period of time he suffered. Uh, I heard one of uh, my pastors say that the period of suffering that Job, Job went through was really just nine months or something like that. But the blessing that came after, the Bible said he lived much longer after the blessings the second time around and in fact he says after job prayed for his friends the lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before all his brothers and his sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house that's that's in job 42 verse 10 to 11 so you see there was much more blessing after he prayed for his friends that's what we need to do. We need to pray for those, especially those who spitefully use us, abuse us, take advantage of us. Uh, now bear with me. We've got uh, two or three more points. Uh, we are going on point number seven. And these are all very important in order for us to pray in the will of God so that we get our prayers answered. The Bible says that when Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus, he said, Lord, I thank you that you always answer my prayers. And that's the same way we should be. Now let us look at reason number seven. I said earlier that uh, number seven is recognizing the Holy Spirit. Probably the biggest infraction we commit in our prayers is the failure to recognize the importance of the Holy Spirit of God. You know, the Holy Spirit is uh, 
intricately involved with our prayers because the Bible says in Romans 8 that we know not what to pray except through the Holy Spirit. We can never pray the will of God without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power of God behind his actions. You know, in the book of Acts, the disciples such as Peter, who had been cowards only a few days before, became bold because the Holy Spirit of God was in them now. He was stretching his hand through them to heal and to perform wonders through the name of Jesus Christ. They, you know, they kept praying, stretch your hand to heal and to perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus Christ. After they prayed, they pray, the Bible says that the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That's how we should be. The Holy Spirit gives us boldness. The boldness to face your problems will only come from God through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Those three go hand in hand, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Believers in the book of Acts, you know, recognized him all the time as being the voice of God, you know, through whom their ancestors spoke. In the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 24 through 25, they, they say, Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. So they recognized the Holy Spirit power. Now Jude also advises us to pray in the spirit always, for that is the only way we can purify our prayers of all the human inadequacies that we may have and all our ungodly desires. In Jude 18.20 it says, In the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear brothers, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. You may ask, how do I pray in the Holy Spirit? But ask him. He will help you. He will help you build yourself in this most holy faith. That's the only way that prayers will be in the will of God for your life through the Holy Spirit. Now, point number eight that I made is to be sensitive to the leading and the restraining of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us by direct action or by restraint. Many times we are not aware of the restraint. If you listen, the Holy Spirit will lead you and also restrain you. The restraining is just as important as the leading, even though many times we may not be aware of it. Uh, there's a book called The Godhead by uh, Lehman Strauss, L-E-H-M-A-N Strauss, S-T-R-A-U-S-S. This is a wonderful book. It talks about this issue very well. I'm going to quote you from page 485 and 486. I think he puts it better than I could ever have. And I quote, A helpful illustration of the restraining of the Spirit in, in, in service is given to us in the case of Paul and Silas. Paul decided that he would take the gospel into Asia and that he was but he was forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Then he endeavored to carry the witness into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered him not. Here is another kind of guidance, being restrained by the Holy Spirit. The Holy One had blocked the way into certain fields, for he reserves the right for himself. There is no land unknown to him. 
there is no condition with which he is not familiar. He foresees every problem and can never be taken by surprise. If only we will not faint, he, when he closes the doors, but wait and pray, he will lead us into another direction. Now Strauss continues, Beloved, the Spirit guides, perhaps not always in the way we think he should, but remember, he guides, not by flaming visions always, not by words articulate in human ears, but by circumstances, by commonplace things, by difficult things, by dark things, by disappointing things, the Spirit guides. That's what he says about guide, uh, the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the restraining of the Holy Spirit. So please remember, the Holy Spirit always guides us, but he can restrain us from doing something. It may seem like negative, but if we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we will always make it out. Now, finally, point number nine, as we conclude before we pray. Slow down and wait on God. Now, I do realize this series has been long, but it is so important because if we don't get these basics in prayer, we may as well give up and just keep uh, praying uh, the Pharisian prayers where we just repeat things. But if we want to pray with impact, there are some things that we need to get down. So I do realize this is a long series of, prayer, uh, of teaching, but it is also necessary. So finally, let us talk about the hardest part. Wait. Wait. That is hard. James gives us an example of a farmer who plants seed. He wakes up and goes to sleep. In fact, let me read that first before we go on. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and the spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. That's James 5, 7 through 8. So James is showing us we need to be patient, because Every time we think about what we have prayed about, sometimes the wait seems longer. You know, like James says, you know, the farmer, he wakes up and goes to sleep every day. Depending on what he planted, it could be weeks or months before the first sign of, uh, of life shoots out from the ground. First, the young shoot is tender, but it gets stronger as it soaks in the sunlight and the air. The farmer did not go to the seed and dug it up every day, checking it on, on, on it. Is it coming or is it doing this? Is it germinating? Instead, he had the faith that what he planted will come up. He may have watered the ground a little and, you know, and kept, uh, kept the weeds off, but he patiently waited for, for what he planted. That is how our prayers are. After you pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, wait on God. Wait and what are your prayers with hopeful expectation? Reading the word of God and believing and standing on his promises. That is the fertilizer of your prayer. The fertilizer of the ground. Then one day, one day, it will germinate and the tender shoot of your answer will start coming up. It may seem soft, but it's coming up. It will burst loose from the ground, the hard ground. Keep your faith. Shine the light of God's word on it, just like the sun shines on the, uh, on the plant that's coming out of the ground. You know, you do that through thanksgiving, singing praises, and worshiping him for your answers and your prayers. 
because he is going to answer. Actually, he has already answered as we saw before. So you have to water it with that light. You see the miracles of God as the disciples did in the book of Acts, what we just read. But see, you have to put that light on. You have to believe. You have to pray. You have to sing. You have to, to act as if it's coming up. This is not a, a, a pretending. This is just the way it is. You have to believe what you've prayed is coming to pass. No different than Abraham. He believed beyond all belief that, you know, his old body is going to produce Isaac. You know, this is the time the devil will come and try to throw away our confidence and uh, discourage us. But, you know, we see that in the book of Hebrews, verse 10, I mean, chapter 10, verse 35 through 39, it says, So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he, if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed. But we are, those, we are of those who believe and are saved. See, once you pray, don't shrink back with what you prayed. Don't let the devil come and take away what you have asked the Lord to do. You, as we have seen following all these steps, you are in the will of God. You believe it and you stand firm. Your confident perseverance pleases God. Uh, you know, even as the passage in Hebrews says above, you do not need to throw it away by discouragement. Now may God bless you and answer your prayers as the walls that hinder your prayers, you know, continue to crumble. And may God's answers, you know, be uh, uh, come and hug you. Now we are going to pray so that all these things that we have prayed will come to pass. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, Lord. Father, we have seen you've taken us through this teaching and this understanding, Lord, knowing who you are, Father, knowing that you are sovereign God, Father. Father, we know that many times when we come before you, when we pray, it seems like you are not hearing us, Lord. But, Lord, that is not true. We know one thing. You hear every prayer that comes your way. You understand our, our problems. You understand our issues. You are a sovereign God. Nothing surprises you and nothing will ever, ever stop you from answering the prayers of your children, Lord. So we thank you, Father. As with these things soak in, as these things sink in, Father, we are asking you that you help us. Help us to know who you are. Help us to realize that you are a sovereign God, that everything is under control, and that, Lord, Heavenly Father, with the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, every prayer that we pray to you, Lord, will never come back void, Lord, because it's of you and it's in your will. So, Father, let us realize that it's Satan who is against us and it's not you Lord help us to humble ourselves before you Lord that we may put down everything that hinders us Lord our pride our positions whatever it may be that hinders us father we ask you that you help us to put it off Lord Father, help us to examine our motives, Lord, as we pray, as we come before you, Lord, you who is mighty, Lord. Let our motives be right and be within the will of God, your will, and let them be within uh, your word, Lord. 
Teach us through your word how to pray with the right motives, Lord. Show us how to come before you, Lord. Because, Lord, every prayer that we pray will, uh, should be uh, uh, glorifying you, Lord. Your word tells us, Father, that, Lord, you cannot be mocked. So we cannot mock you. We cannot have wrong motives. That, Lord, you say in your word that every motive shall be revealed. So, Father, reveal to us the motives that we use. And if they are wrong, Father, help us to cleanse ourselves, Lord. Let us examine ourselves, Lord, as we come before you, Lord. Father, if it needs involving other people, it could be family members, it could be the church, it could be elders in the church, it could be uh, uh, whoever, it could be co-workers or, or the, even the very person, Lord, with whom we are involved in a bad situation, Father. Help us, Lord, show us and embolden us by the power of your Holy Spirit to go to them, to approach them, to ask them for forgiveness if, if need be, Lord. Father, help us to pray for others, Lord. Many times, Lord, especially when people wrong us, Father, many times, Father, we pray against them, Lord. But we are asking you that your grace may shed abroad up all over, over all of us, Father, that we pray for other people, Lord, because your word calls us, Lord, to pray for others, even our very enemies, Lord. But we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that these people that we may be praying against, Lord, they may be the very uh, reason why our answers are not coming forth, Father. So help us to uh, have a, a spirit of forgiveness, forgiving those who have wronged us, Father. Help us, Lord, to realize that, that without forgiving, Lord, we cannot come before you. Because, Lord, even you say that uh, even before we bring sacrifices to to you, if we have owed against another to go back and straighten our ways with them before we can bring this sacrifice to you, Lord. Help us, all, oh, Lord, to recognize that it's the Holy Spirit. It's you, the Holy Spirit, who leads and guides us even in our own very prayers, Lord. Help us to realize, Lord, that it's not how articulate we are with our prayers. It's not how uh, many words we use or how few, but it's you, the power of the Holy Spirit, who can lead and direct us, Lord. Help us, Lord that we may be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and that, Lord, Heavenly Father, without being sensitive to the Holy Spirit as he guides us, Lord, we cannot pray prayers that are effective, that are powerful, Lord. Help us to realize, Lord, that when we pray, that we have to wait upon you, to wait upon our answers, because, Lord, Heavenly Father, in due time and in due season, you will bring the answers forth, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be patient with you, even as you deal with us or even the situation, Father. You may be dealing with the other people, Lord, you may be dealing with the other situation. You may be putting things in place, Father. But many times, because we are impatient, we move away before our answers come, Lord. Give us the spirit of Daniel and Nehemiah who sat and waited upon you, waited upon the answers, Lord. Because we know one thing, that our answers are coming forth. We ask all this in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> 